0: Welcome in, the <laughs> to the new Dakota Boys Talk Movies episode.
1: That's right, we're going international today.
0: Yeah, we're we're always international. Hello out there to our foreign listening friends, <laughs> if you're there.
1: Um We had the one girl from Eastern Europe, that's I guess. Right. Hopefully she's still listening. She
0: liked Jurassic Park and that we talked about that. So if you're there. Hello, because <laughs> I don't want to say hello in your language. Uh, anyway, um, Dakota, you know it's been over. We haven't really talked about it on the show yet. We've been doing this over a year now. We have. Uh, how do you feel about that?
1: Oh man, has time flowed. It's it's floon, been, Yeah, floon. You know,
0: All those. <laughs> it's flying floon. It's crazy. We're over forty episodes. Over a year. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's been a
1: year. It certainly doesn't feel like 40 episodes, which is saying something because usually I think our average runtime is 44 minutes. <laughs> something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, except for the commentaries and when we get lengthy on episodes like what we're going to do tonight. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. Hopefully you guys keep on listening. We appreciate the growing listenerage, <laughs> if that's a word. <laughs> That we've had over the past year, so thank you for that, and remember to share us with your friends, but yeah, we we, we enjoy doing this. Um, but tonight, we are going to talk about a handful of different movies like we did a few episodes ago. A few episodes ago, we did an episode where we talked about movies we thought were going to be great, and then ended up being garbage <laughs> in our eyes. You know, <laughs> you, you have your own opinions. These Those were ours. Now in this episode, what we decided to do is talk about movies we thought were going to be garbage all the way up till we saw them and they came out going, "Wow, that's pretty good!" and is actually ended up being like rewatchable. Not just ones where it's like, "Well, that was better than I thought it was gonna be," <laughs> but was actually one you enjoyed and rewatchable. And so we just each picked a couple and we're gonna talk about that. Ones where it just seemed like it was not gonna be great, and then it ended up being pretty great. So, without further ado, Dakota, what's your first one?
1: Okay. Before I start, (laughs) I'm just going to say, take it easy, guys. Let me explain myself. (laughs) I honestly thought the Lego movie was just going to suck all kinds.
0: Now, to be fair, I think
1: a lot of people out there might even
0: get huffy and shocked that you thought that. I think everybody deep down at least a little bit thought,
1: I don't is this really gonna work yeah the I don't know the trailers just made it look really cheesy. I mean, sure, it had a couple of cool things going for it uh, it did seem like it might be funny, but like in I don't know
0: <clears throat> what it had going for it was uh the people who wrote it seemed like they were competent comedy people. And they found people for the voice roles that seemed like, well, those might be people that could make this funny. But yeah, it was still like, is this just gonna be a giant commercial ploy type thing? So yeah. And so what ha- so you leading up to it you were just kinda like Did you go see it in theaters?
1: I did. You I did. I eventually went after I don't think I really knew anyone that went to go see it, so I didn't have people telling me, "Oh, it was such a great movie" or stuff like that. I don't, and I didn't read any reviews for it. Uh, you know, you'd see stuff on on you know in the background of TV. Oh, one of the funniest movies of the year, one of the yeah. best animated movies of the year. It was pretty marketed,
0: and then once it at theaters, they did the thing where it was like, critics are hailing. And it's like, well, yeah, but you've done that with movies <laughs> where it was like they've you just find one little positive soundbite, and so yeah, you still weren't quite sure.
1: Then, then I heard that the the sound called "Everything Is Awesome" is catching on, <laughs> and it's like one of one of iTunes' most popular downloaded songs. And you're like, what? Yeah, I and mean, it was kind of like,
0: yeah, when you think of that song and are understanding of the song out of the context of the movie, it's like, oh boy, <laughs> it's like
1: like welcome to hyperbole. <laughs> and I don't know, I just wasn't that impressed and I I I found myself with an evening alone which is most nights. But anyway, Aww. I found- let's have a collective. <laughs> Aww. I I sauntered down to the local the local movie theater and I was <laughs> like, all right, might as well see what this is all about. <laughs> and it was like right from the get-go it's it was just silly and just funny and i thought will ferrell was awesome yeah he did
0: a good job too yep
1: and morgan freeman i just thought the
0: yes okay when your first line in the movie (laughs) is delivered by morgan freeman and it's him going he's coming
1: hold on to your butts (laughs)
0: it's like like what this is what is this oh man
1: but yeah it's I mean, there probably isn't a part of this movie that I I didn't like, especially the references to Lord of the Rings, the the you know Morgan Freeman's little character unable to pronounce uh, <laughs> Dumbledore. Dumbledore's name say, like Dumbledore something, the uh, the the cameo by the uh, by the Millennium Falcon crew,
0: <laughs> yeah, and Billy D. Williams doing his <laughs> own
1: Lando voice, yeah. Oh, uh, the Lego Batman was just awesome. Oh, I just yeah, yeah, Loved every moment with him. He stole the movie in a lot of ways. You know, they're making a Lego Batman movie. Why don't we see a good cop, bad cop movie? I would I would pay to see that. I, I would
0: definitely be okay with that. Yeah, a good cop, bad cop movie. If they could get Liam Neeson to come back and do that. Because cause Lego Batman, Will Ernest's Lego Batman, stole the movie in a lot of ways. But Liam Neeson... Just hilarious doing bad cop, and then when he'd switch and do that kind of falsetto good cop, it was just ridiculous. And he used his Irish accent. He was just like sounded like Sean Connery in The Untouchables, just like an Irish beat cop. And he, that one scene, he even sings like an old Irish folk tune as he's sitting there. Oh yeah, yeah. it, was, That's it the thing. was. There was humor else. for everybody in that movie, and you're right. It is hard to think of like is there a part I really didn't like, and it's kind of hard to think of a part where you're like, that was terrible or anything, but yeah. Yeah. So you left the movie like humming, everything is awesome then?
1: (laughs) Maybe. No. Did you
0: go, did you go see it again?
1: Oh no, I actually did. I I was able to contain myself till it came out on, on DVD. And you do own it then? I do. (laughs) But it's one of those movies where, you know, you buy it and you just watch it right away. And then, like, the next day you're like, I could watch this again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's one where, I mean, I don't, but I could watch it quite often. My, I'm going to out my wife on this episode here, but she could watch, like, Despicable Me and Despicable Me 2, like, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> she just she just loves those movies. Not the Minions movie, but <laughs> Despicable <laughs> Me and Despicable Me 2, she could watch all the time. but I could really do that with the Lego movie if you want to talk about an animated movie that could watch quite often. But, yeah, it was just the way they did the humor in it. It was kind of – it was just different than a lot of how humor is usually done in movies. It just was – and these were the guys who – before they had done of the Chance of Meatballs, which I was like, where did this movie come from? Yeah. That was like a 10-page kid's book, and that movie is <laughs> way better than it should have been.
1: Yeah, that was one of those movies where you're like, "How in God's name did they turn this into a whole movie?" And
0: and how is it this funny? How why am I laughing so yeah. much? Where Andy Sandberg is even funny in this, <laughs> and, and your Chance of Meatballs too. was still okay or whatever, but that first one was like, "Man, this was good." And so that was why I was kind of the opposite of you. I I knew that you know they the Chance of Meatballs, and that was better than it could have been. So I was like, "Well, maybe these are the right guys to do this Lego movie thing," and I'm a Chris Pratt. Fan, which everybody is these days, but was like, I don't know, you know, like guy, you know, he's good on Parks and Rec. This could work, and it's really what helped put him on the map and got everybody even more excited. Later that year, your huh. <laughs> year for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Oh yeah, I keep forgetting that he had like just one one massive year.
0: Yeah, that he was like, that was the beginning of him being box office. Like that was his year for box office gold. And then and then the next summer he did Jurassic World. And yeah. uh just kept the gold coming because that of course ended up being one of the most successful movies of twenty fifteen. Uh box office wise, even if you had your qualms with it. So yeah, Lego movie, that's a that's a good choice. Uh and I totally see why you would be going into <laughs> it thinking it wasn't gonna be good. My first one is A little bit out of, yeah, I was just worried, like, how this was going to work. They were kind of origin storying something where I was like, does this need to be done? And then they told me it was going to star James Franco, and it was going to be done by a director I had never heard of. And I was a real fan of the original, and I was like, how is this going to work? And I'm referring to Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Even when I saw the first trailer, and they're just showing like the apes taking over Golden Gate Bridge, and you see this this scene where I realized was kind of taken out of context in the trailer, which they shouldn't have done because it made it just look ridiculous. But you see this gorilla just like flying through the air at a machine gun that seems to be shooting straight at him, and he's not dying. It was like, what is going on? It just seemed like it was going to end up being just over-the-top and ridiculous and a bad idea, and I'm sorry, but James Franco is not charismatic at all. I don't care if you think he's funny as a stoner in whatever movie you like him in. He's just not good in, like, I don't know. I guess people like him in comedies and whatever. But in terms of movies like this where he has to actually act, <laughs> I just don't find him that leading man. I don't know. How do you feel about James Franco, I guess, Dakota? Oh,
1: God. I don't know.
0: I He's okay. I tolerate him. So it was a movie. <laughs> yeah. So this movie, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, I hated the title, too, because like, of the, of the, of the, it was like, oh, boy, this they're just, it's, why couldn't they just call it Rise of the Apes? I didn't understand.
1: I think that was actually what it was supposed to be called. Yeah, it recall. turned into a
0: marketing thing where it was like, well, we want to make sure it has Planet of the Apes in the title so people aren't confused, I guess. But uh so what ended up happening is this was a late summer movie and I just avoided it. I didn't even go to it theaters and everybody was like, "Oh, it, it was actually good and all this stuff." And I still didn't believe the people were saying it was good cuz like I think they just I think what happened was it just wasn't a total mess. So I finally just one time got a chance to rent it and <laughs> I watched it at home and I really liked it. <laughs> The two screenwriters did a really good job of using the original movie's elements of what you knew about the history that Charlton Heston found out about the history, and Caesar being this one who would eventually be the leader of the Intelligent Apes, and played with that idea and brought it into... Brought it into our times, and then just Andy Serkis's motion capture of Caesar was just really well done. Which I will say, in the sequel, he gets even better. I mean, in the, se- I mean, the sequel is basically you watching apes act <laughs> just as much as humans, and it's just really fascinating. But this first one, uh, despite James Franco. <laughs> Still ends up being a really good movie, and a really interesting, um, new beginning to the Planet of the Apes franchise for today's for today's movie going audience, and I just couldn't believe it. And again, like I said, I I watched it multiple times now and like it every time. And and uh, Draco Malfoy from the Harry <laughs> Potter series, he's in it. And has a, he basically plays Draco Malfoy in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and it's interesting. And it's always good to see Brian Cox in a movie. Um, the, the one thing I find interesting though is is directed by he's like a British man, I think Rupert Wyatt or something. Yeah. And you know it ended up being a box office success, but has he done anything since of you know of
1: fame? Um, I want to say yes. I heard something that he was. He was involved in one thing, but I honestly can't remember what it was.
0: Yeah, it's just like, I guess I just haven't heard of him really since.
1: Yeah, because he sadly wasn't around for the sequel that they made of that movie, which was which was even better than this movie, which was pretty good.
0: Oh, I guess he made Mark Wahlberg's movie The Gambler the other year.
1: Oh. He directed that. That was okay. I mean...
0: So he's still working anyway, but it is kind of interesting how usually when you have surprise box office success, you hear about that person pretty quick. Or, yeah, they're doing the sequel, which for whatever reason he wasn't, but Matt Reeves did an, did an excellent job with the sequel and is now doing the next one that will be coming out next year. But, yeah, I was like – watched it and I was like, I did not expect this to be that good, and it was a really <laughs> entertaining, good movie. And Andy Circus just – that guy just owns motion capture roles. He can bring emotion into – into these things, I mean, he's been doing it since Gollum, and uh,
1: yeah, he has his own company where he teaches actors how to yeah how to do that, how to whole. wear
0: gray, how to wear gray long johns, and uh,
1: <laughs> I think it's act called acting with your body, not with your words.
0: Yeah, well, in roles like that, it is, you know, but uh, yeah, yeah, and just forever. If you don't know this, Andy Serkis actually played uh, Snoke in Force Awakens, and coached, we talked about it in our Jungle Book episode, he coached Lupito Niango, however you say her name, as the other motion capture person, and he kind of <laughs> coached her on how to do it and things like that, and yeah, he's pretty successful. He gave Mark Ruffalo tips on motion capturing Hulk, and yeah. But Rise, it's a good movie if you haven't seen it, and then check out Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, a very good sequel. So... Dakota, let's go on to your next one. What is another one that just, y- just you just Oh sorry.
1: Just to kind of get back to the whole you not liking James Franco, it makes you feel any better. His character was supposed to be dead. <laughs> yeah. In in the second one, they kinda they don't come right out and say it, but they allude to it.
0: Yeah, uh spoiler alert, but <laughs> the,
1: <laughs> I guess I will say the
0: second one takes place ten years after the events of the first one. Was it ten years? Yeah. It's supposed to be I think 10 supposed years. to be like ten years. You only ever hear it from the apes and I think the orangutan says something like, "There's been ten, ten
1: passings of the seasons. Yeah, or something ten like winters
0: that. or something like." He says it in a way like that, but of course you know they have to give him kind of more of a primitive animal talk way of you know saying spring, summer, fall, winter. Um
1: Yeah. So Dakota, let's go into your into your other pick. Okay, this one I don't know for what reason. People were excited for. <laughs> Apparently, the trailer was just the coolest thing they had ever seen. I'm guessing you
0: didn't think that.
1: No, I thought it. <laughs> uh, it just looked. It reminded me a lot of Sin City, but in a bad way because it looked just too cartoony. <laughs> and I am referring to the movie 300, which came out in uh, 2007. Seven. Ooh, I want to say it was before that. Six. Even. Yes. Is that what it was? It was either 2006, 2007. Uh, fact checker? No? Okay. <laughs> but uh, this I'm movie... Work, I'm working on it. This movie, and it was a 2006. Spring, 2006. And it was a spring movie. I think it yeah. came out in April, or was it March? Yeah, you're right. It was like...
0: Uh, yeah, what
1: was it? March. Yeah. And it was, I think, right after the Super Bowl, and... It's almost like people who were just excited for the Super Bowl were just, like, as excited for this movie. And it was, like, supposed to be something big and awesome. And it was going to kind of harken back to Conan the Barbarian. and Except there's going to be just, like, death everywhere of men just to, I can't believe I'm saying this. Men-on-men action.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it was kind of one of those things where you saw the previews and you're like... I went, oh, Boy, because you saw like these like jumping in the air and slow mo type things, and how it was just like 3D blood, and it was like yeah, or not 3D uh CG, bl- 3D blood, and then CG blood, and it was like
1: what yeah, then you, is this? And you saw the giant elephants and the like deformed people in the tent, and it was and this guy that you kind of. Recognize
0: because you're pretty sure he was in Timeline and Phantom of the Opera, is standing there screaming, "This is Sparta!" Because yeah. you got to remember, this was at a time when Gerard Butler wasn't really a super known face. He'd just been in kind of a few bigger movies, and you're like, he, "Why
1: is he just screaming this whole trailer?" <laughs> yeah, but ever, I and I still don't get where all this excitement for the movie came from. I think it's one of those things where once
0: people. Once it was said from Frank Miller's graphic novel, everybody's like, "Oh, I'm excited for this because it's Frank Miller's novel."
1: We they all like to be like they're in on the they're in the know, you know. But I was just you know kind of like, "Yeah, this just looks (laughs) like it was thrown together for like just a few million dollars and nobody." I I didn't even know that Zack Snyder was directing. Of course, I remembered him from uh, Dawn. uh, Yeah, just a couple
0: years before he would have made his directorial debut with uh, the redo of Dawn of the Dead, yeah, which ended up being a moderate success.
1: Yeah, it was, Critics
0: liked it even,
1: mostly. Yeah, that one was kind of, uh, that one was pretty surprising, but I was like, man, what, what in God's name is he doing? And a friend of mine who had seen the movie and said it was just great um, had wanted to go back like a couple days later, and I was like, no, I'm not going. <laughs> don't. <laughs> and eventually I got talked into it. I was bribed with uh, I was bribed with pizza. <laughs> uh, so we wound up to the theater, and I was sitting there like, oh, thank God this movie's short, because I don't want to be in this theater <laughs> any longer than I have to.
0: So you are a comic book reader. Had you not read 300 before this? I'm just curious.
1: Um, I had glanced at it a few times. It's actually a really short, short comic. And it's comic. mostly pictures, right? Yeah, <laughs> Very, very little dialogue. Um, I'm trying to think here. It's almost like in like a children's book form because it's yeah, it's
0: panoramic, yeah. isn't it? Like it's a panoramic comic, but bo- where it's like it's the long way instead of more the up and down way you're used to seeing comic books. Yeah. Um, the other thing, it's interesting. Just so you know, if you don't know, it's kind of his dramatic retelling in a fictionalized graphic novel form of the Battle of Thermopylae, just if you're not aware of that battle, of the 300 Spartans. but
1: Yeah, this, this movie could definitely pass as uh, propaganda for the Greeks <laughs> yeah. in in that uh, he based the look of Leonidas off of um, a sculpture of Leonidas where he was nude. He He just had the cape on. So if you're wondering, why are these men just fighting in their underwear and a cape? That's why. Uh, he's kind of harkening back to that old uh, sculpture of Leonidas, which is supposed to be pretty popular. Uh, I found that out later. But the uh, one another thing that kind of bothered me about this movie was why are they fighting in their underwear? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They Cause... just
0: they don't believe in. They're such manly men <laughs> that they don't need armor.
1: But yeah, I had I had <laughs> kind of read up on Greek history. I had known what type of armor they wore. Uh, their armor is actually pretty thick and they they wore like a lot of gold armor so these guys definitely didn't look like they should have which was <laughs> kind of bothered me um in some of these movies it's like can you at least try for a little bit of historical accuracy <laughs> but i went to this and um i got to say it kind of roped roped me in right from the get go you see, like, the story of Leonidas, how he was, you know, the son of a king. He was taken from his mother like all Spartan boys were and was trained to just be this ultimate warrior. And he was put through all these grueling tests. And they sent him out into the cold to survive in winter. And he slays this giant black wolf. And um, Besides the wolf part, which was, like, a really crappy CGI wolf. <laughs> yeah, well, it was 2006. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought, it just like, the look of it was kind of kind of interesting because, of course, it, like I said, it was CGI, but it was, it wasn't distractingly so.
0: Yeah, there's been a lot of movies since this one that have tried to copy Zach, what Zack Snyder tried to do with this movie where, yeah, it just kind of had its own look where now people will call that look three, the 300 look and... Yeah, you you know it when you see it. It's kind of hard to describe in a way.
1: So yeah, yeah. This movie was so awesome; it made me completely ignore all the racist overtones in the <laughs> movie <laughs> and the fact that they were in their underwear. Yeah, it was. <laughs> they had I, shields. Yeah, and then I one thing I still don't get years years later. It's like, why were there all like these deformed people, and was that like an actual demon? Sitting there playing that, there's a scene where you see this guy that has a goat's head, but it's not, it's not a mask because you see like the eyes moving and the mouth moving and.
0: Yeah, like... he it goes really supernatural because Xerxes had this group of immortals, and they actually seem like they were like undead. Yeah. And stuff instead of just like really good soldiers, like no, they're actually like the undead. And so yeah, he did put in interesting things, but but overall, what, what made you like it? Just kind of just the interesting feel of it, and
1: well, it was it did it's fast paced too, I guess. Yeah, it was that, and like just the kind of the bravado of the Spartans. There's that scene where, you know, the the Persian army's coming at him, and um, the guy from the Persians steps out and tells them to lay down their weapons. Someone throws a spear at him; he hits the ground dead, and Leonidas <laughs> yells out. <laughs> Come and get them. Come and take them, I think is what he says. Uh I found out years later that's actually a direct quote from something that was said from the Spartans to the Persians.
0: Yeah, same with the line uh the where the Persians said our arrows will blot out the sun and apparently Leonidas says that we will fight in the shade.
1: Yeah. And it was it it does kind of get you. I mean you get caught up in the atmosphere of the movie. The and... atmosphere of the testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> And the battle scenes were, were actually pretty cool too. I don't think, um, I kind of learned this later on, but, uh, fighting in what was called a shield wall wasn't really as awesome as you'd think it'd be because pretty much the other army would run after you, run right into you, and it was pretty much just like a pushing and shoving war, uh, stabbing under the, sh- under the shield with your sword or your spear. Um, and this movie was was pretty cool in that you actually got to see what it was like, and I was like, "Damn, that was pretty cool." These guys are well, and you still get to see the accurate
0: on the accurate side of it. Their strategy of we'll hold at this narrow spot yeah. since there's only three hundred of us, and just the fact that three hundred <laughs> guys, three hundred of the king's guard, they weren't even, you know it wasn't even a full army, just three hundred guys held off half the world. In a sense, for as long as they did, yeah, is just kind of amazing too. And the reason they probably were taken down a little quicker—I mean, it was kind of inevitable—but the reason that they were taken down even
1: quicker than it could have been was because of the fact they were betrayed. Yeah, which is also something that happened. Uh, a, yeah, a Greek citizen, I think he was supposed to be Spartan, no less, told told the Persians this goat path up and around their position, and they they were able to come at him from both sides.
0: Yeah, and in this movie, they made him like a strange, deformed man who <laughs> wanted to
1: be a Spartan soldier, but they're like, you can't because
0: you're deformed. He's like, then I'll betray you. <laughs> that's not what he says. but
1: Yeah, Frank, uh, to be fair, Frank Miller is just weird, honestly. he's He's a great writer, artist, but some of his stuff is just downright weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a strange fella. And he makes things dark. I mean, he's the one who made... Batman darker, he's the one who made Daredevil darker. <laughs> yeah, to an uh, extreme level. I mean, he he takes things, well, he takes things to the extreme in a lot yeah. of ways. Even his
1: artwork is extreme in in all senses of that word. You know, one thing that doesn't get talked about him is the fact that how dark he made Superman. Nobody really talks about that. Uh which what did he do of Superman's Oh, well, you know, when The Dark Knight Returns... Oh, just how... Oh, yeah, Celebrated yeah. graphic novels. Superman wipes out an entire Russian armor. That means he killed all those people. Yeah,
0: he was kind of... Superman was kind of an evil Boy Scout. Yeah, and <laughs> and it doesn't even
1: bother him. It's like, huh?
0: <laughs> He's just a government government lapdog. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, but yeah, so it's 300, okay. Well, my... My final movie, we're going to go back even a f- few more years before 300. It was back when I was still in high school. Ooh. And knew just a tiny bit about this movie. Mostly knew that it was a Disney movie based on a ride. Saw a little thing about it. Um, kind of ended up just going to it on like a, well, we don't have anything else to do. Let's go to that with a buddy. And I... I actually still am not a big fan of either of the two stars, um, Johnny Depp or Orlando Bloom. Uh, Orlando who? Yeah. I've never been a fan of either of them, but I liked him a lot in this movie, and I thought this movie was was great, but I knew nothing, and kind of what I did know, I was kind of like, eh, okay, okay. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, that was a... Uh, ended up being a really surprisingly good movie. Um it was fun, it was funny, it was action adventure. In my opinion, but again, since I'm not a huge Johnny Depp fan, it's easier for me to say this. <laughs> his best perform his best role. He kinda nailed it as as Jack Sparrow and, and according to the legend of the production, he apparently like didn't shower for like a week straight to seem more nasty in character as Jack Sparrow. And then you have, uh, the introduction really. I mean, this wasn't her first movie, but it was kind of more her American big stage to be noticed introduction
1: of Keira Knightley. Um, I'm trying to remember who was her kind of, uh, he played the, the British naval officer, Uh yeah, the, her, her, yeah, <laughs> kind of fiance. At the, I'm, I'm trying to think of his name, but he kind of was a big deal around this time the movie made because he was on the British office. Yeah, he.
0: Well, yeah, he was in a few things. So, and then you had Jonathan Price as Keira Knightley's father. You know, he's kind of a a staple in a lot of things like this, and I just ended up being, like I said, just a really if. Fun, exciting movie. They're kind of a cool story. You know, Jeffrey Rush playing a really overly dramatic, <laughs> <laughs> cursed pirate. And so, yeah, it was just ended up being just a cool story. And because you kind of go in thinking, like, that's oh, based on a ride. You know, they made these in the past and they weren't very good. They made a, a TV movie with Steve Gutenberg, Tower of Terror, when that ride came to be. There was the Eddie Murphy movie Haunted Mansion, that was based on a ride. I mean, usually they're
1: ride movies. <laughs> I'm trying to think, wasn't there another one?
0: Yeah, there was. And then, of course, just last summer we had Tomorrowland, which uh-huh. would have, have been another kind of amusement park thing made into a movie. But it was just like, Parts of the Caribbean is really famous as a ride because it's kind of one of the original ones that's still around.
1: Yeah, I as I recall, that was like one of the one of the big star attractions when they opened their doors, wasn't it? Right, yeah,
0: it was like one of the first ones. In fact, if you uh, are a real big fan of Jurassic Park, it gets referenced in that. John Hammond says something like, you, you got to remember when, when Disneyland opened, nothing worked. And then Jeff Goldblum goes, yeah, but when the Pirates of the Caribbean broke down, the Pirates weren't eating the tourists. <laughs> he says something like that. So, yeah, it, it's, it was a staple at Disneyland from the beginning. And so when they decided to make a amusement park ride movie there you go and then of course as this movie ends it's kind of left. there's a few things you don't quite understand like he uses this he keeps looking at this broken compass and you're like why the heck does he keep using this broken compass the whole time even as the movie ends which set up you know going into sequels which are a little mixed how you feel about the sequels um Ooh, um but the first one i think we can all agree that the first one was really fun it is really, really rewatchable.
1: Yeah, honestly, I think, I think they were trying to go bigger, more kind of incorporate more mysticism, uh, kind of getting into old folk tales. Yeah, right. And the with, first
0: one, yeah, because he got into like Davy Jones Locker and making Davy Jones like get his yeah. own thing. But the first one is really simple. You know, it was like she found, you know, Kieran Knightley's character found this pirate coin on Will Turner's passed out body as a kid and end up being a cursed treasure coin that years later, that cursed ship comes to get and kind of gets them all involved in the story, you know, and things like that and the interactions with, with Jack Sparrow. Brown. In fact, if, maybe some of you don't even know this, Johnny Depp was nominated for an Oscar for his performance in this movie.
1: Yeah, that was one of those things that kind it, of just... Kind of just takes you back. Well, it was
0: kind of like in Fellowship of the Ring. A lot of people forget Ian McKellen was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Gandalf for Fellowship (laughs) of the Ring. And because a lot of people, you know, when it won 11 Academy Awards for Return of the King, everybody's like, oh, yeah, but none in the acting categories. It's like, yeah, but Ian McKellen was nominated for Fellowship, and Ian McKellen was really good in that movie. (laughs) It's true. So yeah, and Johnny Depp. I mean, that was the thing. It was like it put him back on the map because he had been kind of eh, floundering as of late. Um, he seems
1: to have those every decade or so. Yeah,
0: he kind of he hits like this huge peak, and then he kind of like what? Do you, what kind of hurt his career this time? The Tourist. Yeah. Oh,
1: it's it was a bunch of things. The um, probably just doing
0: more pirates didn't help. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, there was the the last Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Um, the tourists. I'm oh, to, uh, uh,
0: Transcendence.
1: Transcendence. That yeah. was that was supposed to be. I don't even remember who was behind that, but it was supposed to be their their kind of
0: Christopher Nolan kind of yeah, got, that, got Chris, that one off the ground,
1: kind of. Kinda of one of those movies like Inception where it was just supposed to blow your mind away. Oh,
0: and then that movie where he had the ridiculous mustache. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's Mordecai. Been... Mordecai, thank you. Yeah, he just kinda has fallen off. But this is when he was at his new peak of of fame and, and he did a good job, it was fun and and Orlando Bloom isn't bad in it either. And I'll admit it, I was a high schooler at the time. I had a huge crush on Kira Knightley after <laughs> this movie. Uh fun fact for you, she was actually uh Natalie Portman's uh decoy queen in Star Wars Episode One because a lot of people thought they looked a lot alike.
1: Yeah, apparently Natalie Portman's mom even mistook Karen Whitley for her
0: daughter. Which is kind of weird. And that's a terrible
1: mother. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think I think now you could at least tell there's a lot of difference. There. Oh, there's a lot
0: of difference between them. Yeah, yeah. They, but you know, when sometimes when you're younger, you know, you're not quite <laughs> matured into your woman womany look. So
1: yeah. Um, I'm trying to think here. Was this was this Orlando Bloom before or after Troy?
0: Um.
1: Because I know there this was. This would have been before Troy, because
0: Troy was uh, like two thousand
1: five. Yeah, I think that that was the one that kind of hurt him a lot because he was. Well, that role wouldn't look really good on anyone because yeah, he, was... he played
0: Paris, right in Troy, yeah. and so I was like. Mm.
1: But yeah, that kind of that. He kind of blames that for hurting his career a little bit. That's interesting, especially when uh, people kind of found out they had to CGI some chest hair on him for some scenes.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's not much of a man. He's he's <laughs> he's he's kind.
1: I mean, he is. He's kind of. I mean, he's very
0: feminine in a lot of ways, which is why it kind of giggle when you see him as Legolas because he's just like so. They make him like long blonde hair, and he's so clean looking, <laughs> but. Yeah, and that was the thing. Like Legolas helped his career boost off, where he got to be in these pirates movies. Yeah, and my understanding is they're making like a fifth one, and he's going to be in it. Yeah, Orlando Bloom's coming back.
1: Yeah, they're trying to they're trying to go back to the well on that one, and who only knows what it's going to be like? Maybe it can't it can't possibly hurt the series. I wouldn't think so. Not it, at this point. <laughs> I mean the third one was already dodgy and then, you know, you had the the next one with these killer killer mermaids and then and yeah, it just kinda kinda brought everything <laughs> down.
0: Well, and then you gotta remember in the fourth one they tried to have like the fake Will Turner, Elizabeth Swan love story between <laughs> that guy and the mermaid and so things like that. So it's like they might as well bring Will Turner back. They tried to have a fake Will Turner, so <laughs> Yeah. Uh but anyway, yeah, those were just some are picks of movies that we thought just weren't gonna be good and ended up being really entertaining and and rewatchable. But yeah, I'm sure you're thinking of ones maybe where that happened to you. You should let us know. Maybe be ones we could talk about in the future. Um, ones you thought of where you were like, Yeah, that happened to me with this one or that one. Just just let us know. That'd be I'll just use this as my plug to say we are on Facebook and Twitter, so you can like and follow us there, and that's where you could um, give us any sort of feedback like that and uh, that's where we put updates for our type of stuff and things like that so make sure you do that and also just subscribe to us if you haven't on iTunes or YouTube and if you are doing those things and you are liking us and following thank you don't say that very often I guess, maybe or don't say that enough maybe, but thank you for doing that that's awesome we appreciate that
1: and to all you haters out there Thanks for listening, too. <laughs>
0: hey, yeah.
1: I know you, there's... <laughs> you, if you if you hate us and still listen to us, that's awesome. That is true hate right there, that... and I congratulate you. <laughs> yeah,
0: I congratulate you on that dark hatred, <laughs> but you still might want to get help for that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, with that, we'll close out the show. So I'm Steven. And this is Dakota. Have a great evening or morning, whenever you're listening. We'll see you later.